0: My name is Andrew and I am joined by one of my best friends, Will, and we are the hosts of the Unwinding the Spool podcast where we talk all things 3D printing and we share uh, all of our background experiences and knowledge that we have thus far with 3D printing, talking about cool things uh, in the industry that's going on and basically little tips and tricks and ideas to help guide you in your journey with your 3D printer if you have one or if you're looking at getting one. So uh, in the last episode, we covered some really important uh, talking points, and that was how to be a good troubleshooter, because that is probably one of the biggest keys to success with running a 3D printer is knowing how to troubleshoot it, knowing what to look out for when things go wrong. So if you guys haven't seen that episode or any of our past episodes, definitely go check those out. Um, We're going to be starting a YouTube channel specifically for this podcast, where we'll also post some what we're going to call behind the spool videos, where we'll kind of just some little videos to share our personal projects and things going on that, uh, you know, we don't want to put in a full episode video. But uh, today's episode, we're going to be talking about the the concept of you've got your printer set up, you've got it, you know, running for the most part, now you want to... Make it print beautifully and you want to print some cool stuff that is really fun and exciting. So, Will, anything to add? And why don't you
1: kick us off here? No, uh, nothing to add, but I wanted to start off by by starting off with what should be, I personally think, your first print on your printer. Mm. So, you've, you've, and this is the first print you're going to take. I'm not talking about the test prints that come with the printer. A lot of work's been done for you there. This is the first print that you have to do yourself, fully yourself. You're going to take it from finding the model. You're going to slice it up. You're going to evaluate it. And you're going to have to go through it and and post process it. This is your first print. I'm going to bring one out. This is for the (laughs) visual For those of you watching the YouTube channel. This is a giant 3D Benchy. So a 3D Benchy, for those of you listening at home, um, is a benchmark test. That's why it's called 3D Benchy. And it is a boat. It's a very top-heavy, not buoyant boat, by the way. <laughs> while well, it floats. It just floats upside <laughs> yeah. down. It has the capsize. Yeah. But it is um, it is a classic. I mean, it is the print you do. Uh, it helps you tune your slicing software. It helps you understand your printer. Helps you understand mechanical problems. I mean, you can go through online. I'm not even going to list all the things it can help you do, because you can go online and find a whole ton of information and guides on once you, th- when you 3D print a Benchy, what you should be looking for and what you should, you know, so it's it's basically, it's a standardized test mm-hmm. of your 3D printer and not just of your 3D printer, but also of your slicer software and beyond. So what it does is it's a good benchmark of, this is where you should be at. And here's how, it, there's tons of different ways, as we talked about in our troubleshooting episode, tons of ways to look at and evaluate the 3D Benchy that you make. Um, And for example, the one that I have here, the one problem I had is there's a little bit of beading on the underside here. Mm -hmm. So there's some beading there. And there was some stringing also that I had to get rid of uh, in between. So for me, that meant, okay, uh, this printer was printing too hot. So I have to lower the temperature. Sure, Um, it's basically- But anyway, so that's- Sorry, yeah, I was gonna say a
0: Benchy, like you said, is a benchmark. So part of that model, the reason why it has all those unique features, it has the The little chimney stack, for those that aren't watching and are just listening, the top of the boat has a little chimney stack, and there's, you know, uh, overhangs. It's a good test of various uh, features of your printer. Yeah, like little bits of, there's a little bit of script uh, embedded into the back of the the model, and even on the bottom, too, yep. Um, So there's all, all these different features on the model point to different, uh areas of the printer and, and to show how well it's doing or how well it's doing uh, and it's basically like a stress test
1: yeah absolutely it's definitely a stress test and it's a way to um you know you've got your printer assembled it's something where the g code you know it's it's fairly simple it's usually not i mean that was big because i was printing it on a big mm-hmm. printer it's generally like i don't know a couple inches in size yeah. um so you can really tell if your printer is getting the detail you need it to yeah. And also what you can do is really, um, you can really focus in on, okay, you know, it's, I, I personally for me, especially after I online a new printer, it's the first thing I print mm-hmm. just to see how close did I get? Did I, did, <laughs> did I assemble this right? Yeah. Did I not assemble this right? Is there, is there huge systemic problems? Is there slicer issues? Um, it's a good way to kind of start narrowing down the next steps on how to get your printer running perfectly. Right.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you there. When I get, a, I only have two printers, but when I have set up those printers or printers at work, I always like to run a benchy because yeah. it's like a good, you know, in the past, I know I've learned specifically from that model um, what to do if a certain feature of the of the boat isn't printing well. Like, oh, we got to slow it down. We got to increase retraction, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah. So And then, yeah, Will, you, you did say, but for those that didn't catch it, that was scaled up, what you said, like 300%.
1: It's, it was scaled like 450% yeah. or something. It was ridiculous. Yeah. I was just playing right. around.
0: Normally, the Benji boat is about this size for those that are watching. Um, it's probably about the size, I'd say, of like, you know, four quarters stacked next to each other. It's like two inches long total, like a half inch wide.
1: Yeah, this, this thing is currently, I'm measuring it right now, this is currently about... Seven and a half inches okay. long. So. Yeah. So
0: don't be don't be alarmed. It's not gonna it's not gonna be that big. <laughs> it it's,
1: it's not weird. gonna you're not gonna need to to use up a, a decent chunky. Right limited material, you know, yeah, no, but uh, those, those of you still on that quarter, that quarter kilo spool that comes with the printer <laughs> yeah. still trying to use right. that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, whenever you're putting a
0: new printer online, it's always good to do a print like that. Or I like to do it when I get a new material that I haven't printed before or a material mm, from the, mm-hmm. a manufacturer that I've never purchased from before, because um, we've said in our past, episode, past episodes, but You know your settings for one material from one manufacturer might not print the same from a material from another manufacturer so uh, benchmark tests when you switch materials are also a very good idea so but will so the 3d benchy isn't the only type of calibration print that you can do um you want let's talk about kind of like the different kinds the most popular kinds of calibration prints um that that we've seen throughout our years of printing um most of these that are are readily available on like Thingiverse so
1: yeah so I would say there's a couple of great I can't remember the names of them right now but on Thingiverse there is a um there's a basically a set that comes in like this little square of different kinds of models and you can print them all at once you can print them one at a time but there's like nine different models and Simplify3D actually created or not Simplify sorry Um, 3dprinting.com, someone made it basically a really good guide for each of these, and we'll put a link in in everything that we've got, we'll put Mm -hmm. a link in the description, um, to kind of what the actual guide is. But there's basically for every test model, it says, here's what you should evaluate and here's what it should look like, and here's what's wrong if it's not doing this thing. Right. And so, um, there's these sets that'll give you things like tolerance tests. It'll do um, Z wobble tests, so it'll go up really high in a very small amount of uh, surface area. Um, you can do overhang tests that see that'll test different layers, levels of overhang, um, and how you know how much drooping happens at each of them. You can do bridging tests, so these bridging tests allow you to see how far the printer can span across an open area without any support. Um, and then these are all tests that allow you. A this is good for Understanding your printer because it's going to differ because certain printers, if you get a certain higher caliber, well, not even higher caliber, you can tune a a very cheap printer to be amazing. But but in order to start getting there, you're going to have to look at kind of all of these different calibration tests. There's like usually, I think, nine or 10 of them, uh, if I recall, um, these different calibration tests that you can do to really understand okay, here's where my printer's at, here's what I have to adjust either within the slicing software or on the printer itself to, um, you know, some of it might just be as simple as like belt tension, Mm -hmm. so there's all kinds of things that you need to catch, Um, and you might not catch if you don't do these tests because sometimes, let's say for me, a classic issue I have is I'll start printing off, I don't know, really simple things that are just take up the kind of the, the couple of, not even, they're like 20 layers off the bed you know little extrusions things like that and i test that and i go cool printer's good and then i print something bigger and all of a sudden there's these problems as we get mm-hmm. up to like layer 350 sure. and we're way up there all of a sudden it's like oh man <laughs> yeah i didn't realize there was all these problems with my rails and things like that as i got up higher right yeah
0: cuz you might have like uh, as you print higher and higher your your lead screw might be slightly warped or you know there might be a Defect in the lead screw for like the z-axis, so you're not only you're not going to see that right. defect until your printer is close to maximum z height or something like that.
1: Exactly. So, and so, there's there's also a couple people that make like all-in-ones. Yeah. This is one on Thingiverse called the All-in-One 3D Printer Test. Oh yeah, that's, a good um, one. that's got basically everything on it. Um, the only issue that I and Andrew may have this as well as an engineer have with that is if you're testing all of it at once. <laughs> Um, it's going to be hard to isolate variables yeah. and isolate what's wrong. Yeah. Um, that can be an overwhelming amount of data to process all at once. Right. Um, so I personally like to do, yeah, so I, I personally like to um, wait and do each of them. at a t- It's time consuming, mm-hmm. but if you're really looking to tune your printer, it's kind of worth it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so like kind of what Will was saying is like there's these there's these files on Thingiverse that have like he was saying before they have an overhang test, they have a bridging test, they have just a general like how precise is the X Y, uh, you know dimensioning. Like when you you set a dimension on your model, how close in real life when your printer prints it is it is it to that dimension? So and then there's little like minute circles like how precise of circles can it get? Um, and then it prints kind of like little. Not spirals, kinda of like really thin cones and that's a good test of retraction um, and just precision at small detail. But I think for the most part, you know, for the kind of calibration test there's the main one. So I'd say the calibration cube is a problem. I this little of got it's got a text to why it it's the parts that you can measure the cube. are to the model dimensions and a lot of these models that are really popular uh in being downloaded for calibration will have kind of instructions in the thingiverse uh download pro or thingiverse profile for the part so definitely keep an eye out for those Mm -hmm. um but yeah like what was saying bridging tests overhang tests uh so just to see how well your printer can print overhangs um and then the bridging is basically (laughs) Uh, for those that, again, are still learning, bridging is when there's no no supports, how far can the printer span before the material starts to significantly droop and affect the integrity, I guess, of the model. Um, so, right. uh, and then I guess the last thing would be a good one is um, a lot of people have developed bed leveling tests, uh, which is, you know, yes. some are specific to certain printers and um, others you can just download them and place them around the bed. Um, but, you know, they have tests where... You know, you kind of put four uh, very flat squares in four, in your four corners and then maybe a few in the center, and then it just kind of gives you a visual of how well your bed is leveled, if you have any warping in your bed, things like that. Um, so I think kind of what we're trying to nail in on this point here is once you got your printer set up um, and you have yet to print anything, I guess, um, start with a benchy. That's always just a good, you know, starting place. Um, a lot of people print Benchies. Where you gotta start, man. Yeah, that's like that's, the, that's the bread and butter of doing your first prints. I can't... I probably have a million Benchies in here. I think we were showing them before <laughs> the episode, but here's a few uh, failed ones for those that are watching. So there, there we go. Yeah, those that aren't watching, these are Benchies that basically failed right when it started doing the roof, kind of where it started doing bridging. This one is P-E-T-G and this one is basic PLA, I'm pretty sure. Um so yeah, start with a benchy that gives you a good baseline. And then if you're really gonna get into the nitty gritty of calibration and making your printer print really nice, which is you know it's a good goal to to get to have your printer print nice parts because that's what people want, right? Go on Thingiverse and you can yep. find all these different models that uh really help you tune in specific aspects uh, of your printer so um, so yeah that's that's a good place to yeah. start once you got your printer
1: set up absolutely it's a good good place to definitely um, as a first you know you've set your stuff up you've done the internal test prints that usually come with your printer where do you go from here work on your benchy and then work on your calibration prints um, but then Andrew, you could move on to some fun stuff that we have noted down here excuse me oh. Bless you. Um, we could. Um, you could even do making your own model or downloading yeah. um, some models. Uh, what are What are some ideas you have, Andrew, about projects you could do after you've calibrated things?
0: Uh, You're talking about like designing or just kind of downloading.
1: Well, so you have here on the on the outline: make your own model or download one. Useful things around the house. What are some useful things oh, around the house yeah. that you've made or downloaded? Okay. So
0: we'll start. You know, I'll we'll start by talking about things that you can design yourself. This is saying that you have some CAD experience, and then I think we'll also talk about some of our favorite things to download from Thingiverse. But um, yeah, so the first thing that you can kind of make and one of the great use cases for a common kind of desktop 3D printer is to print and, and help solve problems around your house. Um, so I've seen people yeah. where like parts of their vacuum cleaner break, so they they have to print like a little little bracket replacement bracket where you can't just buy that bracket. You have to buy a whole new vacuum cleaner, and that's very wasteful. So it's perfect because you have a printer that can you can design it. Get get a good set of calipers, calipers, and a nice ruler are really handy to have um, when you're running a 3D printer. So you can have, in a very basic sense reverse engineer a part. That's kind of what it's all. Something in a design or you have a physical object that you don't have like blueprints or dimensions for, and so you want to pull the dimensions off of those with some calipers that's kind of the basic sense of reverse engineering something. Um, so yeah, things like break for like appliances. Um, I've seen people print like garden tools or little garden pieces like to help with their garden. Um, for me, it's anything with the car. Um, I'm big car guy, as some of you know, so. I printed things for my car, like I printed some fender spacers for my Corvette that I'm building because no one makes fender spacers because it's they just the the, literally the repair manual from GM says use the old glue to shim the fender and space it correctly. I was like, I don't want to do that. So I designed some custom fender spacers, printed them out of PETG, and I used that. So that was great. Um, Let's see, I printed a tow hitch cover for our truck. Um, just to kind of, I wanted my, nice. my main thing with that was I knew it was going to be on the truck, you know, outside in the elements. So I really wanted to see how well it held up over time. And so far PETG has been really nice outside. How about you though? What are some
1: things like you've printed around? Um, yeah. So for me, I've, I've done a few different things. Um, I know back when we were, when I was at CLP and in the shop in Long Beach, we would 3d print, like a lot of assembly fittings Mm. um we 3d printed test models and fitting models for flanges and big old plates and things that we knew would be expensive to machine so we wanted to make sure they fit on the machines beforehand so we would 3d print mock-ups and use them a lot for that yeah fit check part exactly Um, at home um 3d printed uh we've got a lot of stuff in the fridge actually oh yeah uh we use it there's like cool like can racks we have like a can rack in there that we 3d printed um so my my partner and i love to to use that for like organizing our kitchen yeah Um, people do that with
0: spice racks too
1: yeah absolutely like spice racks or like we've got some bins up on the the that little shelf behind me that are 3d printed um see around the house we use it a lot for like organization Mm -hmm. um also planters Mm -hmm. it's great for like indoor house plants You can like print out your own pots and planters, and they can have really cool like drainage and all kinds of stuff. Do you have problems um, with water
0: seeping through the prints on stuff like that, though? Just as I like, guess. A...
1: no, usually usually if I print it at like a 0.15 um, layer mm-hmm. height, and I I do some uh, a key thing to do with those I will say is make sure you um, use some uh, wood glue on the inside and let it dry. Ooh, yeah, so that oh, it, it seals it all nice. up.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess that that's a good use case. And I will say, I know a lot of people think like, oh, I'm going to 3D print like a coffee cup. Well, yes, certain plastics are food safe. It's not the greatest idea to print things that you're going to be drinking out of or eating from because I was actually having this conversation with um, a family member of mine today where a lot of people don't know it's not just the material that causes a, a piece to not be the greatest for eating out of or drinking out of. It's just the fact that 3D printed parts are very porous, so it it yeah. uh, there's it's a prime environment for bacteria to get in and just grow and cause nasty things. I know they have like sealants you can use, kind of like Will was saying for the planter. They have food grade sealants that you can put in your prints, but I'd say try not to print like things you're you're putting your food or drinks in. Um, but
1: yeah, I definitely wouldn't do that. That's a that's a big yeah, no no. You can go to IKEA and sure. get
0: some cheap uh, plastic. Utensils and silverware and, and yeah, plates. Go go go! Buy them somewhere yeah. else. <laughs> go uh, yeah no, I'd, go go spend the money on right. That. But anything around the house for like organization, um, just kind of like ergonomics, right? So like keychain holders, things that you mount on the wall, yeah, um, are really great. Especially if they're very unique um, situations. Like oh, I have this one area of my house that you're not going to be able to find that at the store because it's specific to your house. So.
1: Right. exactly. So you
0: can either design those or they have cool things off the internet that you can buy. Like I said, I think, uh, I've seen the spice rack, uh, organizers on there. And then I think even the, the refrigerator can kind of organization stuff I've seen on Thingiverse as well.
1: Yeah, that's definitely, I grabbed it from Thingiverse. I didn't, yeah. I didn't design yeah. it myself. Yeah, there's definitely things <laughs> yeah. like
0: if you're thinking of something, definitely check Thingiverse first um because you could probably save yourself some time if someone else has already done it and then you don't have to put in the work of designing it um but yeah so common things around the house are definitely a really good use case to kind of get you started with your 3d printer um and then i'd say the next thing um i can already talk about a little bit but things for your hobbies so will i know you're really into like camping backpacking doing outdoorsy stuff so like have you printed anything for your hobbies
1: yeah, I actually I don't have it on me, but um, I have a couple of things i 3D printed for hobbies. Um, carabiners. Um, some common things are like carabiners. Nope. There don't you go. Trust your wife at you, um, <laughs> No, don't do not. But it's good for gear organization. Yeah. Uh, I'm also I've 3D printed some. Um, I, I don't have it for this one yet, but I used to have a sheath for my Leatherman that was 3D printed. Okay. Um. Another thing for my hobbies, though, um, is more along the 3D printing comes more into like the gaming, Ooh, yeah, or, like board games yeah, and things yeah. for me. So like I 3D printed like these little um, magic card cases. So for those of you that are listening, um, these are like little slide out. They have a top that slides out and you can store your magic cards for like Magic the Gathering or Pokemon or whatever card games you play. Sweet. Um, and then also I have this really cool box that I found on Prusa, um, which is a little hidden box. It slides out and this is where I store my tarot cards. Oh nice. So if you do tarot or anything like that. Um, it's always a nice feeling a when you box. print something
0: and it like fits together like super nice. It's very satisfying.
1: Oh. To get that like click. So satisfying. Yeah. Um but yeah, no. It, and it all all of all of that is like um I found that on Thingiverse, but also what I've used it just to say for like design-wise is even little accessories for my uh, 3D printing, mm-hmm. Is 3D printing stuff for my 3D yeah. printer. I've, I've definitely 3D printed like feet that are for this printer to make it a little quieter. Uh, I've 3D printed little like tool holders on it and stuff like that, so.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's a good yeah. use. It's a 3D printing to help your 3D printing. Or 3d print to help your three exactly i've done that too when i uh in one of the past episodes we talked about enclosures for your printer and for those that don't know i built a pretty intricate enclosure setup for my two cr10s <laughs> that i have at home and um you know part of that enclosure build was i mounted the filament spool holders on the i guess ceiling of the enclosure and the, the that posed a problem because the filament was wanting to make a really harsh turn like a 90 degree turn into the filament runout sensor <laughs> so i um there were some designs on thingiverse for kind of filament guides like guide arms or guide wheels but they didn't really work the greatest with my application or i didn't like the design i guess because they required you to go buy some like unique bearings or something and um so i designed some Mm. custom 3d printed uh i wish i had them up here but they're in the garage some uh like a um a guide a guide wheel and arm for the filament um to go into the runout sensor that it just mounts right on top of the runout sensor, and you use some some extra long screws, and it's been perfect using that. But yeah, there you go. Yeah, so then I guess um, for me, it's just been printing mostly stuff for the car. Um, I'm prototyping some some brackets for my Corvette build. Um, one of the problems with the Corvettes is that because they're really low to the ground, um, and for those that don't know. I love one of my favorite things to do with 3d printing is combine 3d printing with automotive. Cause I think there's a lot of really cool things to be had there. Um, so anyways, one of the problems with the Corvettes is they're so low, uh, if you don't go into a driveway at an angle, or, um, you know, if you go, yeah, if you don't go to a driveway at an angle, you can scrape the bottom of the car on the ground and it scrapes this bracket, this, uh, support bracket. So I'm 3d printing little protector plates um that are kind of sacrificial you know (laughs) um so if you if you really that's really you know drive one of these into the asphalt you just print another one and you know go from there um but i'm gonna be doing like shift knobs for my car like custom shift knobs and just things to solve problems with the car that you know 20 years ago to now they could be made a little bit better right right so yeah um and that's so yeah and then I think one of the next cool things people you know print a lot of this stuff and you this is prime for thingiverse um printing knickknacks um and this kind of ties into oh. to gift you know so like little yeah. fun things so, that you are meant to maybe just sit on your desk right yeah that's super cool
1: absolutely so describe it for the, yeah for so listeners. right now for the listeners at home i'm showing off um Babe, what's this, this sword called? Do you remember? Oh, it's um, from Sailor Moon. It's uh, Sailor Uranus. It's uh, Sailor Uranus' sword? So this is Sailor Uranus' sword from okay. the Sailor Moon series. Nice. Um, and it came in three parts, and then I we just glued them all together and created this really cool sword for my partner, because mm-hmm. uh, she's a big nerd. <laughs> um, and so... Aren't we all? Um, so that's definitely like in terms of gifts and things you can make uh, for that. Like this is all on this was all online yeah. Thingiverse. I didn't have to design this, right. um, but you can also like really cool gifts to make or like a, you can do those photo uh, photolithophanes, mm-hmm. where you take a photo and you turn it into a 3D printed object that you shine light through and you can see the photo. Yeah. Um, and so that's a really cool. Um, kind of, I think it would be a cool project, especially as a gift for those others in your life. You could take a photo of you and your loved ones or take a photo that you're proud of and turn it into this really cool kind of lithophane art that could be like a nightlight or something. Um, yeah, so I, I would say definitely in terms of knickknacks, I used to also, I don't do it as much because um, I felt like it was kind of, um, my family got irritated with it, <laughs> which you got to be careful of overdoing it for don't sure. Um, it but I, was, I would make like... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't, you know, you can do it every once in a while if you see something cool. But I did, I 3D printed for Christmas. I 3D printed a pinhole camera for my dad that he really like thought was What crazy. is a pinhole camera? Yeah. So it was like a, a pinhole camera is like instead of having any like physical, um, uh, uh, like it doesn't have a mechanical shutter or anything. You just use your finger to expose a piece of film oh, and then close nice. it. It's basically you open it and then close it. That's how original cameras work. Oh, and, and stuff. the it's tiny to let A certain in, amount of light
0: in the light reacts with the whatever paper
1: you're putting in with it, or yeah, exactly. Film. So you can just put in this film. Uh, you can put in like Polaroid film, oh, and then yeah. it just reacts with it. Um, and so you can develop a photo out of it. So I, I did that. That was a really intense project, and I did it all on using those crappy. Uh, what were those? The um, printer box. Oh yeah, I had a printer yeah, yeah. bot at home. Oh man, those things suck. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyways, but I, I uh, definitely did some gifts for family and friends. Um, that I think most of them still have. I think they like it. Yeah.
0: yeah, no, it's it's a cool way to, especially when you first get your printer, and you get it printing really nice. You can print some <laughs> cool stuff for people uh, with things you find on the Internet. Um, for me, little knickknacks yeah. I printed. Um, so I'm a really big aviation geek. Um, I work in the aeronautical industry. So this is a little model of an F-18 Hornet. Uh, it's one of the main jets that I work on. Um, so I just th- downloaded this model off Thingiverse. It's got what, landing gear, all the fuel tanks and weapons on it. So it's a cool little desk piece. Um, and then I'm also a big, uh, not just military aviation fan. So that I printed a, a Boeing 787 model. I actually printed this standing like this to see how well the printer could print uh, with it. It obviously had supports you know, leading wow. up to the wings and stuff, but I um, wanted to print that um let's see what else here oh yeah so um my other youtube or the youtube channel that i posted most of these videos on but my automotive channel called now automotive I printed the logo on actually uh, hit, uh will and i's old school dremel that we had in our lab um oh yeah anything car related for me is, a, is an easy one this is a little i used to have a 55 amg <laughs> which is a nice german sports car so i print a little keychain. Um, so yeah, just anything related to cars. One thing that I've all I've been wanting to do, uh, for a while is download, um, I think there's a full model of like an RC car. You download the chassis and all the suspension. Yes. And you, you can get motors that fit into it. So I want to like build a full RC car that's completely 3D printed or a drone, you know,
1: 3D printed drone. (laughs) Oh yeah. Sorry. I, I just had experience with this. So I, broke the (laughs) rear suspension arm for my buggy so i broke these two back oh nice okay Um, oh not nice that you these are cat these are these are machined aluminum so don't get too excited um this is a story of failure to be honest um um but what i did was i did i did like seven attempts yesterday i think seven uh, yesterday and the day before, designing and trying to 3D print out a PETG, the rear arm. Um, and the only issue, and the issue that's solved in that project you're talking about, the fully 3D printed RC, mm-hmm. is that when you have 3D printed parts interacting with non-3D printed parts, they tend to snap yeah. pretty easy because they're not, they're not bowing in the same way. Right. So anyways, yeah, one of the projects I've always wanted to do is there's an F1
0: yeah.
1: 3D printed race yeah. car that you can make that's RC I definitely want to do yeah
0: that. no anything that you can like combine 3D printing with your hobbies and other interests it's always a cool cool experience and even like for a, for a, for a short while when I was in high school I was really into RC planes so like either download or oh. like design a custom like RC plane and like put in little servo motors and stuff and I think that's, that would be also cool because the cool thing 3D printing is like, you know, especially with like RC planes and stuff, you can optimize how strong and, and light it is because oh, yeah. you know, the infill settings that you can adjust. So, so yeah, there's a lot of cool knickknacks, both just for fun and functional parts that you can make. Um, another common one that my family has loved was I, I've been 3D printing little baby Yodas. <laughs> Um, little <laughs> figurines, um, so a class, yeah, actually, I, I, it's on my to do list to print my mother-in-law one for her birthday coming up. So I plan on 3d printing a oh, wow. larger baby Yoda. Um, and then the other recent thing I did was I 3d printed some Christmas ornaments, um, for my wife's class. So all the students got some 3d printed gingerbread men, Christmas ornaments, or sorry,
1: holiday ornaments. <laughs> so <laughs> that's so yeah. cool. That's so cool. Yeah, so that, that was. Be- yeah, we're we're actually in in our class right now. My middle school class, the eighth graders, are making um, uh, 3D printing prosthetic hands. Wow. Okay. So they're doing the they're doing the Enable project, um, um, and I'm I'm basically forcing them all to like take this on. They're kind of like, I don't know if we can do it, but I they they're yeah they're doing a great job. Um, but it's it's kind of this capstone project that they're leaving this middle school with, um, and so. Yeah, there's all kinds of cool projects and an enable even the enable prosthetic limb. You don't even really need to. All the designs are already made and every, all the settings are there. You just have to kind of print yeah. it. So that's another great project if you're looking to just dive into something pretty hardcore, yeah. but not have to do a ton of problem solving on your own. It's a really good, a really good project as well. And you you know you help make prosthetic limb for people who can't normally afford that's them.
0: That's super cool. I mean that like just doing something that. Um, like that astounding, just in your free time, like, and you document that and put it on a resume, like that could land you a job, you know, or get your, get oh, yeah. you into school, right? Get you put it on an application for school or something. So, yeah, that's awesome. That's that sounds like a really cool project. Um, but yeah, I mean, take, taking a, 3D printing and applying it to any of your
1: interests—music, cars, to be, be outdoors,
0: to be gaming—you know, just the applications are essentially endless so long as the parts are safe see, um, for the application. But um, yeah, basically how you can start is if you have the chat experience, you know, you add things up yourself or just, you know, go in and go on a Thingiverse or any other site where you can download free STLs and just go or just search, you know, whatever it is you're interested in and you'll get a probably a decent amount of hits unless it's a very specific uh, thing. But one of the yeah, I mean I No, I exactly. was one of the sorry. things I've been meaning to print so in on my to do list is there's that full cutaway model of a jet engine that No uh, oh, yeah, yeah that that's a super cool one that I've been wanting to print um, and that R C car and the F one car
1: too. So you could be printing for years and never yeah. run with, from just thinking I mean I I I just was so when I was working it down in Long Beach, I was so much always printing for work. Yeah. And now that I have like time, it's funny. And now I take on some like, I have some side gig stuff where I do custom uh, prototyping and things like that. Um, but I also just will like, if I have the time, I just went, I just literally, that was what this was. This, I just had time on my new printer yeah. and I was like, huh, I, I, I used to have one that was like this big and I want one again that's this big. And this is a good test, good use yeah. of it. So oh, and it's also really, I'd say anything. Sorry, God. Oh, no, I was just saying, uh, anything you're interested in doing, like, I I love your point about, like, take your interests, take something outside of 3D printing, yeah. and go, okay, what can I make for for yes. this that would help right. me? Yeah, no,
0: and it's super cool, and it's like, and, and also, if you're if you're trying to sell something or get people's attention, 3D printed parts, especially in vibrant colors, are a great way to do that. Like, if you're going to a, if you're setting up a booth somewhere, right. And you want to grab people's attention, you know, like 3D printing, like a giant benchy boat at a like rainbow color filament or like a bright neon filament is like a great way to like captivate people and like bring them over. So yeah, you, you could, there's a lot of cool stuff and we are not in any way sponsored by thingiverse or MakerBot. We just have found a lot of awesome, you know, use cases and, and good experiences with, uh, finding models on there to download and print. Oh, yeah. So, 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 yeah. So I guess what we've been, what we are getting at is that there's a lot of cool things to print, whether if you want to design it or just download it to start. And we kind of were sharing some of our kind of use cases and fun things that we printed. Well, the last part of it. So, you know, we, we've talked in the last episode, right, about troubleshooting and what to do when your printer fails. Let's talk about kind of what some of our personal Failures have been when we've first started out printing, and also to this day because we still fail to this day. <laughs> yeah,
1: I would say absolutely. I'd say one of the most common failures I had when I first started printing that just infuriated me was bed plate adhesion. Oh, yes,
0: yeah. like I, it,
1: it was just one of those things that like I could get a test print to work fine. And this was on like I was working on the Dremel, the Lulzbot Taz, mm-hmm. the Airwolf printers, anything we had in the lab. Which is this smorgasbord of like ridiculous technology that that I don't even. Yeah, none of it like now, knowing what I know now, none of it made yes. sense. <laughs> like it was just kind of clearly someone was like, we need a 3D printer. And they just thought what any of these will work. Yeah. And so they got whatever they did. Right. But like for me, the failure was always like the thing that you're going to what we have. It's funny we have in the notes uh, is prints and projects fail, fail again, probably one more time, success, question mark? (laughs) Um, And so I think one of the things that I wanted to talk about with this was like, in the beginning, I would definitely have a lot of days where I was like, I don't even wanna do this anymore. Like, I don't wanna keep trying. Like I've designed this thing, I want it to just 3D print. It just isn't working. Um, And so you get to this point of just like, man, I just need, I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna give up. And what I usually do is I like give myself some time. Maybe I don't do anything on that for like a day. And then the next day, I come back and I go, "Oh, this is how I should have done this." And so for me, it was like bed plate adhesion. I remember one of the first things I tried to make Andrew was that the go kart, the three D oh, yeah. printed version yeah. of the go kart. Right, right, right. And we, the key issue there was just that the model, which was to scale, but the problem is when you scaled it down, all of a sudden all of the bars became like minuscule, yeah. like they weren't. They weren't even the the software. The software didn't even recognize them. right. Um, because it was it's like what 1 inch tube steel
0: yeah it was like I think. yeah i think a 16th of an inch thick in real life so scale that down you know. yeah
1: scale it all the way down to fit on the dremel print bed and it's like okay this thing is it's unrecognizable right. um, And so there was there was like all these little things where at first I was like, man, I don't even is it worth figuring this all out? But then eventually it was like kind of cool because Andrew and I both had to like sit down and like, okay, how could we solve some of the problems around the scale? Mm -hmm. And so we made the tube solid and the model and all these things. Um, But yeah, I'd say that was some of my my first failures were like finally taking our own designs, designs that we had made and getting them onto into printing. And I'd say the key issue around that is is—is you kind of feel like, oh, do I need to adjust the model or should I adjust the printer or should I adjust the model or should I adjust the slicer settings or should I adjust? And you get in this whole yeah. spiral of like, what do I adjust? What do I adjust? And I think and now, that's okay. where you have to ground yourself in your, your problem solving. Right. You have to ground yourself in the problem solving mentality. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, definitely. You have to kind of take it one step at a time. Like we've said in the past, <laughs> don't change too many things at one time. And yeah, I've mm-hmm. definitely uh, been there before where you get so frustrated. You just want to f- throw your printer out the window um, and you just got to take five yep. or take 500 minutes, you know, take, come back the next day. However
1: many you yeah. need. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, no, it, it can be very frustrating. And it, it, it I want, it does crack me up, but I do feel for these people of like, especially around the holidays, like on the 3d printer forums, like you'll see, you oh know, yeah post thanksgiving or post christmas a few weeks after or a few days after right um people are getting these new printers as gifts and whatnot (laughs)
1: they're
0: like straight (laughs) in you know so it's just it's just part of the process um but as far as personal experiences for me um definitely when i first got my cr10s at home uh bed bed plate adhesion was a big one like uh these so these benches that failed here where the roof didn't get finished was because the 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 print itself popped off the plate and then there was a nice spaghetti hairball uh, of filament um next to the print uh so definitely had issues with bed plate adhesion and that's kind of what slowly drove me to building my enclosure to kind of make things more consistent but that was when i explored like okay let's use some blue tape let's use some uh glue stick let's use some hairspray um and then the other thing i've been really captivated to start trying is this thing called garolite sheet i don't know if you've ever heard of it but it's like it's not pei no but the uh, i think his name no. uh, it's the i think it's makers muse uh, uh another popular 3d printing guy on youtube um it's like a flexible i don't know exactly what the material is but it's really great for printing i have no and idea. the the finish of the the surface that's contacting the the build plate It's like glassy smooth. So, um, so yeah. So anyway, wow. Diving into a tangent there, but yeah. So I had a lot of issues with build plate adhesion, and then sometimes um, I'd say the biggest one uh, was uh, clogged or partially clogged nozzles. So getting kind of like um, spongy prints mm. that aren't you know fully strong. So you have like a partial clog or it's under extruding, um, and that I would find would happen a lot when I would switch back and forth between materials. So if I, especially if I would go from PETG to PLA, so PETG prints at a significantly higher temp than PLA. So if you have any little bit of PETG still in the nozzle, um, it's going to possibly clog it when you're running PLA at a lower temp, because it's not fully melting. So a lot of those things, have, mm-hmm. and that was a big thing at work that we were, you know, on our smaller printers at work have been troubleshooting like, Switching back and forth between materials, um, and then um, yeah, just build plate adhesion. And then the other thing that I've I've also messed up with a few times is just flat out forgetting to change a setting, going back and forth between uh, oh, you know profiles yeah. for different materials. So like I this it trips me up to this day, even on on um, uh, Kira, the slicer software that I run for our Ultimaker you actually have to click on the model to select what material you want to print it on because it's got a dual model system. Right. So I totally forgot that. Right. And I thought I changed the the material at the top of the window. And so it was printing all the support material on the right material, but then it was printing the actual part in PLA and I had it at 240 C. So it was like burning the PLA. So yeah, Jeez. Yeah. So just, <laughs> uh, yeah, make sure you uh, go and check your settings. Um, but yeah, I'd say for me, just build plate adhesion and um, just anything to do with the nozzle and kind of some flow, uh, and then also retraction. So getting like stringing, especially with TPU, has been a has been a toughie for me.
1: Oh yeah, another another one that I had a tough problem with, even to this day, and you can see that even in the bottom of this giant piece I mm. made for um, a project is. Um, oh yeah for those of you at home, it's got this issue with this first layer, which is bed leveling. Yeah. And I mean, this is also cause it's a giant print bed. So bed leveling is always going to be hard. But I think one of the things when I was first working on this is just getting that freaking bed level. Mm. Um, I, it can, it can definitely feel like you're running in circles. Um, but always it's definitely one of those things that you just have to get right. Yeah. Cause everything else is going to not going to matter. Like you got to go in and get your bed leveling correct right. or, you all you're gonna have all these problems that stem from that that are just it, you can solve it and pass the buck along but the next print might not work you know you might figure it out for one and then ah, uh, shoot the next yeah. thing it's bigger didn't yeah. work um so I, I definitely would say there that was one of those things in my early days and especially because there's so many different ways to level the bed of a 3d printer mm-hmm. you know you've got the Prusas, which is way more like you don't even do any of it manually it's all done via digital um, you've got the Trunksy, which is it can check it digitally, but you have to manually, you know, change the screws sure. that hold with, with the springs up. There's like the the Lulzbot, um, the Taz that I was working at didn't have any auto leveling feature at all. It just was like you better get this thing level. Yeah, you, you got to use it, the, or paper, gonna do the paper
0: shim technique.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you got to do that. So that's another one that you need to. Spend some time, especially if you're doing calibration printing and things are going wrong. Also, make sure your bed's level. Sure.
0: Up. Yeah, know that's that's the the foundational layer right there. You got to make your first layer, make sure your first layer is good, and that ultimately comes down to also just knowing your printer really well. Um, some printers are going to do things yeah. better than others. I know for me, I have still to yet kind of figure out the like the quote unquote auto bed leveling for my CR10S Pro. It kind of just does some weird things. Um, and to me, I don't, I don't really need it. So I kind of just, just do it manual leveling. Like I think one of my, I don't want to say my biggest strong suits, but I've gotten really good at, um, you know, whenever I print something, I always print a skirt on the, with the part. So Mm -hmm. a skirt for those that don't know is like a perimeter layer. That's not actually contacting the part you're printing. It's just kind of like a, yeah, it's a perimeter, you know, that printer puts down before it actually starts printing the part. It helps make sure the nozzle's clear yeah. Too. It kind of primes the nozzle, and it also gives you some time, even after you've maybe bed leveled the the, the build plate leading up to starting the print. It gives you some time to do some on the fly bed leveling and teach yourself how to do on the fly bed leveling um, based on how it's printing in the four corners of your build plate. Um, so that's what I always do now. Is like especially if you've got like blue tape on there, you know the tape is thin, but it does add a little bit of you know thick. Uh, or you know. personal experiences. I think, yeah, for me, it's just been, uh, learning materials to really like trying yeah. out a new material, you're going to run into problems. Um, I found that out with PETG. So PETG. So I obviously I started with PLA like most people do. Cause it's the, the most easiest, most basic material to print. I transitioned to PETG cause I want to start making some parts that right. so can withstand the elements. Um, and the the trick with PETG is is that it really likes to stick to itself. So you really have to get that that bed adhesion prime because, um, otherwise the, it's going to come out of the nozzle and then just start globbing up on the nozzle. Uh, so I definitely ran into some problems with that or with just the, the PETG just didn't want to stick to the build plate. So I had to up the temperature, change the adhesion style with like some glue stick or hairspray. Um, so yeah, so that's another thing too. When you're trying out a new material, have some patience, just kind of, you know, go into it expecting to fail if you're trying a new material for the first time, especially if it's PETG, TPU, the flexible filament can be pretty tricky, especially with stringing and whatnot. And then, uh, I have not really had good success with printing ABS to this day, but I really just haven't had a need to, or want to. Really? Yeah. I, well, it's it's not really that I haven't had good success. I just really haven't put in the effort uh, to, want to. <laughs> Just, well, firstly, my yeah. printers up until a few months ago were in my office up here, so I didn't want to be printing ABS in my office. Um, so now that I have- them, Breathing right, all those Right, now that I have them in the garage in an enclosure, um, I probably won't print ABS, but I'll start printing maybe ASA, which is like ABS's nicer cousin, you know. So, yeah. so yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up here? No, I think that's about yeah. it.
1: those are about the things that I remember dealing with as a as a younger 3D printing. Yeah,
0: and I guess the last thing that I kind of just thought of is um, when you're starting to print,
1: <laughs> be there for the first five minutes. You know,
0: that's a oh, good. Yeah.
1: One. Oh yeah. Um, so, I, I, I do have a story about okay. that, that I'm just going to, this is my last thing, That, um, but when Aldrin and I were first running the print farm at UCI that had about 24, no, we had 35 different printers running at the same time to make this project for our professor Jesse Jackson, not the reverend, different guy, <laughs> uh, this guy's Canadian, um, but we we would... Sometimes we would just have been working on it all day and we would like start the prints up finally and we're like, we don't even care. Let's just get out Mm -hmm. of here. And then you'd come back in the morning and like 10 of them had just completely failed because they hadn't adhered to the bed right. And we were like, no, we should have stayed, that was stupid. And so it was just one of those things that it's it's so funny because it's such a rudimentary thing, but it can so easily be this thing where you're like, I did all this work. I start the print. I'm like, okay, I'm out of here. I got to get going. I got to go to school. I got to get out. I got to go do something. Um, but if you don't sit there and make sure it lays down that first couple of, that first bead, at least real Mm -hmm. well, you, you could be in for a world of hurt when you get back. Yeah.
0: I'd say the first five minutes is probably the 80% (laughs) chance where if something's going to fail, it's going to fail in the first five minutes. Um, you know, whether you're not extreme correctly, uh, you're not, the bed isn't leveled correctly, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And that, the, the when you were talking about that, because I remember the, the printers would commonly like hang themselves, so to speak, because the material (laughs) would get stuck. So I had that issue this past week. So the other thing I've run into a few times, um, especially if you're reusing, like, or if you're using filament that's already been opened, right? um, And you're not cracking open or breaking open a new, roll of filament is try and make sure that your filament isn't uh, tangled or like crossed under each other oh yeah um because you know it's it's hard to tell that sometimes and if the filament is looped under itself you know your printer will print good for the first five minutes but then it'll get to the point where it can't it's it, it's 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 tangled so it'll it'll basically just you know clog, or not clog itself but it'll start grinding into the filament and it'll go the rest of the way and there'll be nothing there so yeah just be wary of that too yeah. when you're using a already opened roll of filament but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, so that's, I think going to wrap it up, we're getting close to about the hour mark. Um, so we just kind of like in summary, we, in this episode, we kind of wanted to just discuss, okay, you've got your printer set up. What are the first things you want to print on it? So you're going to want to run a 3d Benchy, good baseline calibration print. You can run some other calibration prints, whether it be, yeah, whether it be a overhang test, a bridging test, you know, a calibration cube to test, uh, how dimensionally accurate your printer is printing. Um, so that's a really good way to start and to help you, you know, with your troubleshooting skills that you're developing, really tune your printer to print, nice, beautiful, and accurate parts. Um, and then the next thing kind of just talked about is like, what do you want to make beyond that? Right. Cause you don't want to be printing boring calibration stuff forever. You want to print the cool, fun stuff. So, you know, things around the house, things for your hobbies, fun little knickknacks for, you know, uh, pop culture things that you like baby Yoda, you know, it's common one, um, baby (laughs) (laughs) that you can, uh, download or design yourself if you feel so inclined. And then, um, yeah. And then just kind of learning about, uh, we shared kind of our personal experiences with our first, uh, times running our printers, uh, whether it be for personal or for, uh, use at work. Um, so yeah, so. Uh, As of right now, we are diving into kind of phase two of the podcast. In the coming episodes, we'll be getting into some more detailed topics. I think Will and I, uh, you can probably agree, we've covered the basics pretty well with 3D printing. So we're Mm -hmm. diving deep into some more detailed areas of 3D printing. Um, We're going to feature some new segments on the podcast, talk about kind of what's going on in the 3D printing industry, and
1: uh, things of that sort. So uh, anything else, Will, before we wrap up? Yeah. Uh, just remember, guys, you're going to fail, yep. and it's okay, and you got to keep trying. As I teach my middle school students, you got to just it, – it's really the failure doesn't matter. It's what you do after the failure that counts. Right. Yeah, sounds cheesy, but it's very true. I mean, you've just got to yourself true. up
0: and, and learn from it and just be patient. So – um so, yeah, so I yeah. hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Um, if you haven't checked out our previous episodes, definitely go do that. There's a lot of good things to listen in and learn from on those. Um, if you guys have any comments or questions, please, please feel free to leave a comment on the YouTube video below, and we'll be transitioning all our videos to a new Unwinding the Spool YouTube channel for that specific content. Um, or just shoot us an email at unwindingthespool at gmail.com. And we'll be happy to answer any questions you guys have. So thank you all so much for either watching or listening in. And uh, we hope to see you guys on the next episode.
1: See ya. See ya. All right. Where's my mouse? Okay.